In this episode, I sit down with Pete Mikaitis to talk about how to be awesome at your job. Get excited because this is Tiny Leaps, Big Changes. Big Changes. Welcome to another episode of Tiny Leaps, Big Changes, where I share simple strategies you can use to get more out of your life. My name is Greg Clunas, and from time to time on this show, I bring a guest on to talk about a topic that I'm just straight up not qualified to talk about. And career is one of them, because as many of you listening to this show knows, I have never had a job for uh, more than a year. I actually don't think I've had a single job that lasted a year. The closest was 11 months and then the contract ended. So I'm not the greatest person to talk about career topics, but I do have friends that are. And today's guest is no exception. Pete Mikaitis is an award-winning trainer and coach who helps professionals perform optimally at work. His work has been featured in the New York Times, Forbes, and Inc. Like the New York Times, guys, not like the fake one, like (laughs) the New York Times. Pete has delivered one-on-one coaching to over 700 leaders hailing from world-class organizations such as Google, FedEx, Amazon, Apple, Anheuser-Busch, and the United Nations, 50 countries, and every Ivy League university, which is insane, actually, just reading this. He began his career at Bain & Company and currently hosts the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast, which if you haven't listened to, you should listen to. Like, Pause this episode and go subscribe and then come back to listen to the full interview here. Uh, The show has been downloaded over 9 million times and consistently ranks as a top business show in Apple Podcasts. Pete lives in Chicago with his wife and two babies. So Pete... Thank you so much for being here. And I want to ask you something. I don't know why it's the question that I'm most curious about reading that. Uh, so you've done you've done work with every single Ivy League. Did you attend an Ivy League yourself? You know, no. Well, well, Greg, hey, first, thanks for inviting me. I'm delighted to be here. Uh, no, I went to the University of Illinois in Champaign-Urbana. And uh, no, just individuals at each of those universities I've done coaching for. So got it. kind of got cool it. as I looked through it, it's like, hey, what do you know? I've ticked off all of those. That's pretty cool. That's such an awesome feeling, I'm sure. So again, thank you so much for being here. Let's start. Tell me a little bit about the show to begin with. So you, you've had this incredible career yourself, but most people don't make that jump from, hey, I've done a lot of really cool work to I can help you do a lot of really cool work. So what what was the cause of that for you? Oh, sure thing. Well, I guess if you really go back to the beginning, it's probably when I was a youngster and my dad took me to the library. I got really into reading all kinds of books about a given topic. That was sort of like the pattern. I take an interest in something, read all kinds of books about that something, and then get better at that something, whether it was photography, like, hey, I'm taking better pictures now, or chess, hey, I could beat my dad now and he didn't let me win. And and so it's pretty cool to see that lesson early on that learning or, or books can make you better at stuff. And then I discovered these books about success, goal setting, leadership, teamwork, influence, communication. And I thought, whoa, these books help me get better at, at living life and, and accomplishing stuff. So I got really hooked on that stuff as like a teenager. And so it was always in the back of my mind, oh, maybe I want to do some of this speaker, author, trainer, consultant, coach stuff that uh, the authors of these books are doing. 
And so, so that was sort of just sort of planted in there early on. And as I had more and more experiences, like on a volunteer basis of, of speaking, I thought, man, this lights me up. I'm going to go ahead and try to make a go at doing this thing full time. That's awesome. So are you doing this full time? I am. Yes. So I am fully self-employed. And so doing people development stuff. So sometimes it's it's one on one coaching. Sometimes it's the podcast. Sometimes it's a, a, a training or a workshop. And and so but but altogether, it is what I'm up to. That's awesome, man. Congratulations. Oh, thank you. Yeah. So let's um let's let's turn this to the listener then. So you, let's let's talk first because it is uh, November fourth when we're recording this. There is a whole batch of people that this past May just graduated college and yeah. they are entering the workforce. Many of them have probably landed in their first job by now. What should they be thinking about in order to utilize this first role to set up the rest of their career? Oh, sure thing. Well, well there's there's so much I might think about saying. So we'll just dig into uh, the best, the, the Give best us gets here. So I think that one, I would just say, really recommend that you make sure that you're learning stuff, you know, and I think it's quite possible that you can enter a, a job and you get into a bit of a groove or a rut, depending on your, your frame of reference. And you're sort of doing the same things over and over again. And, and that might be okay with you. Like if, if you're not bored and you're, you're fine with it, but I would just encourage you that, in, in this day and age, it's, it's really true that, you know, job security is not alive anymore. It, it's basically dead in that you're pretty much gone are the days where you could start at one place and, and stick around for 40 years and retire. And so your job security nowadays really relies in, in your skills, you know, what you have to bring to the table so that you can be valuable for another employer or uh, should you choose to go that route, be valuable to uh, your own clients, uh, if you're going it alone or uh, building your own business. Got it. So really approaching that first job, or, and I'm guessing any job really, as an opportunity to keep improving on the skills you have and keep adding new skills to your repertoire. Absolutely. Yes. And and I'd say be on the lookout for opportunities that you can take on new jobs that'll stretch you a little bit or means by which you can do things a better, faster, smarter and maybe a somewhat uh, automated kind of a way or, or finding mm -hmm. new tools that can help you execute it or, or fine tuning a, a process. It's like, Hey, I think this could be better in this way. Let me, uh, let me see if I can take that on. And then those are the sorts of things that really add up over mm -hmm. time until you've got just a, a huge toolkit and you, you feel like you can accomplish tons of different things. And that's really interesting advice because I think a lot of new graduates, especially they've just spent what is it, 18 years learning just nonstop mm -hmm. uh, from kindergarten through college. And you're saying really when you take that that job, like that needs to also be a learning experience. That needs to also be something that is helping you continue growing and becoming more valuable to the marketplace. How important would you say, because I think the one of the biggest issues people run into that stops them from consistently growing is just being afraid of failure and being afraid of making mistakes. And especially for that first time job, you have you don't have the the clout or or the the capital that you can expend where you can screw up all the time and be fine. Right. Like so there's that fear of oh, I'm gonna lose my job or, or whatever it is. Like how important is it though to approach this as 
an opportunity to make mistakes and therefore learn from it? Oh, well, I, I think it's a fine question there. And I, I, you know, when it comes to making mistakes, I mean, ideally you'll have a little bit of a, I guess you might call it a safety net in the sense of like, you want to be able to make mistakes, but for the impact of those mistakes to not be just like catastrophic, like, Oh shoot, someone's dead. <laughs> oh shoot. <laughs> we, you know, we, we lost $10 million, man, that was a terrible move, but rather you know, try, give yourself the opportunity to try some things and make some mistakes where the stakes are, are, are a bit lower in terms of it's like, Hey uh, boss, I'd love to try to take on this new thing. Um, how about I give you a, a draft proposal of how we might go forward, uh, you know, next week or, or something. And then they say, okay, sure. Thanks. And then if you show them that and it's like totally wrong and off base and, and not at all going to be uh, the right direction, uh, hopefully you'll get some great feedback and learn how to do it better the next time. But nothing is really lost in terms of, hey, okay, well, you know, we put some buffer, uh, some slack time into that uh, schedule. So it's all good with regard to what happened there. And sometimes the learning doesn't even need to be sort of super risky. The learning, the real risk is is only sort of like your internal, I guess, psyche, or it's sort of like the only thing you have to fear is fear itself when it comes mm. to just sort of asking for feedback in terms of saying things like, hey, Greg, that's one thing you've noticed that uh, I really did well last week versus one thing that uh, you think could have been improved, or what's one thing I should start doing or stop doing that could really you know, improve the, the value I'm bringing to this team, you know, so some way that you can sort of zero in and get regular feedback and improvement. And then the, the downside is just that you might feel a little dumb, like, Oh, that sort of hurt to hear that. Uh, I'm not so great at that thing. I thought I was actually pretty decent at, mm -hmm. but you're, you're better off now for, for having learned it. Yeah, that makes sense. How would you give somebody the advice to get past that feeling of like, just, feeling weird asking for advice or asking for critique on something and feeling like there's uh there's maybe no room for it in the company or maybe you you are worried that if you go to your boss or your manager with hey like I screwed up on this thing can you help me or asking for help and being vulnerable in that way that they'll pass on you for the next big opportunity because they think you're not capable like how do you get past that fear hmm well, I, I think there's a couple things. First, when it comes to feeling weird, I, I think a lot of times weirdness is solely the result of just not having done something yet. So it is by definition weird just because it, it's new. And, and that is true of, of every new thing. You I did. like that a lot. Oh, cool. Thanks. I, I mean, so it was weird when you, you know, you crawled, you, you took some steps, you rode a bike, you, you swam. It's like, whoa, <laughs> this is kind of out there. And, and so I, I think that's sort of the first thing is to acknowledge that that weirdness does not necessarily indicate that it's it's sort of bad or wrong or often or, and does not belong here. And, and then with regard to, to the mistakes or asking for help, I, I think, well, I could tell you as a manager of people that I really appreciate it when when folks sort of tell me, hey, can you give me some feedback? Can I try this thing? I want to run this by you and, and see how it goes. Can you help me out with this? Hey, I figured out A, B, C, D, and E, but boy, F and G are pretty tricky here. I mean, I am very grateful for that progress and for them really trying to, to deliver and, and make some great things happen. And so I'd say often it's it's really in your head and, and that the folks that you're asking may very well appreciate that you're, you're stepping up and, and trying to make their lives all the more easier. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. 
Are you struggling to sleep these days? Well, you're not alone. One in three U.S. adults, including me, by the way, doesn't get enough sleep. And if you're not sleeping enough, it can affect your cognitive functions during the day, like learning, problem solving, and your decision making. This is something I know all too well because I often struggle to fall asleep and I struggle to stay asleep. And unfortunately, what that ends up doing for me is the next day, I'm pretty much useless. Does that sound familiar? Well, that's why I'm partnering with Calm, the number one app for sleep. Sleep deficiency does serious damage, not just to your brain, but to your body as well. The sleepless are more prone to accidents, weight gain, and depression. But with Calm, you'll discover a whole library of programs designed to help you get the sleep your brain and body needs, like soundscapes and over a hundred sleep stories narrated by soothing voices like Jerome Flynn from Game of Thrones and Stephen Fry. So if you want to seize the day, you've got to sleep the night and calm is there to help you. Right now, Tiny Leaps listeners get 25% off a Calm premium subscription at calm.com slash tiny leaps. That's calm, C-A-L-M dot com, C-O-M slash tiny leaps. 40 million people have downloaded Calm. Why not join them? Find out more at com.com slash tiny leaps. That's C-A-L-M dot com slash tiny leaps. How do you think about careers? Like what is what is a good way to look at because a career is different from a job, right? So mm-hmm. what is a good way to look at a career that you're trying to build? Yeah. Well, you know, it's it's funny. I had a guest, uh G. Richard Shell, who talked about he's a professor. And he talked about how does one define success? And I, I think that's actually a really powerful question that you're bringing up there. And and this isn't just like a, a dodge yeah. <laughs> uh, just so much as I think it's very valuable to give some thought to what is your success metaphor that you're mm-hmm. using. And, and that can really influence it. Like, you know, some people think about, you know, the career success metaphor is a ladder. So you're trying, you're on it and you're trying to, to climb all the, all the higher, but in a way that that's kind of limiting because, you know, sometimes making a a lateral move off to the side is like, it's, it's no more money. Maybe it's less money. It's no more responsibility. It's maybe less responsibility, but if it's developing a, a whole nother set of skills or understanding of, of business, that could be super valuable. And in fact, those who become executives often are the ones who have a broad base of experience, not just in one functional area, like say accounting, but multiples like, Hey, I got accounting and operation and sales and finance. And so it's like, okay, well, you're in a great position to have a a broad understanding of how an organization works and, and be able to make smart decisions that have to incorporate a lot of that stuff. So it, that's to say, think carefully about your metaphor. Some others that might be nice are that uh, your your career is like a, a stone that that ripples in a pond, making positive impacts to, uh, that that reverberate to to many people and and generations to come. Or your career is a game; it's a dance. You know, I, I think that I'd say take some time and and find one that really resonates for you and and what you're about. Got it. What is the the number one thing that in your time, both as a, a professional in this space, working with people and as the host of this podcast, what is the best piece of advice you've ever heard or given around building a, a powerful career? 
Mm. Well, you know, it's tough to, to pick just one. Um, <laughs> First so one that pops in your head. I'm going to broadly speak about, uh, it's going to be a cluster of, not like a mess cluster, but <laughs> a collection of things that come together. So it, it's in the theme of, you know, prioritizing super well and getting quite clear on what really matters, like the 80-20 rule. Some things are 16 times as important as other things. And I think the single best action to take to get there is to have a conversation with your manager. And, and one of my uh, one of my best conversations with the guest was Mary Abajay. It was about how to manage your manager. And she said that fewer than 1% of employees do this one thing, and you should totally do it. I appreciate it as as a boss and as uh, an employee, and it's to to sync up with the manager so you're getting super clear on okay, what does winning mean for us here? You know what is most important for for the team? What's most important to you? How are you being evaluated? How do you prefer to communicate? You want to drop by, email anytime, phone call text certain times just to sort of get synced up and aligned in terms of what are we really trying to accomplish here? Um, how can I make your life easier? And, and what are the things that are kind of annoying to you and sort of the best approaches to communicate and collaborate effectively together? And I'll tell you as a manager, boy, when people do this, I so appreciate it. And, and it's just like, it, it just puts you in a whole nother league in terms of, whoa, this person has really thought some things through is really considerately trying to make my work life better and and really cares about making sure we're doing the right stuff as opposed to just sort of phoning it in or punching the clock. And so so and it's, it's you get real valuable information like oh note to self don't do that thing he or she really hates that. That's great to know. And it's like oh this thing I thought was really important I guess doesn't matter so much. So I could take a breath I could take a breather, take a breath and not worry so much about doing everything and then just do these few things that, that matter a whole lot more. So I, I think if there's one thing to do, it's to have that conversation with boss. Yeah. And I, I think that, that that would be a powerful way to approach it. I can imagine and hopefully I'm wrong. Hopefully no one listening to this feels this way, but I can imagine there's some percentage of people listening that think that is easier said than done as far as setting up that conversation, approaching it, and just getting past that that power dynamic that managers have with, with employees of they're the ones that are setting up these conversations. So what advice would you give to the employee who wants to approach it this way, who wants to show the manager that they can not only consider their needs and, and uh, try to build their role in a way that makes sense to, to make the manager's lives easier, but also wants to present that I'm the type of person who is willing to take charge if you are willing to give it to me. What, what advice would you give that person who wants to do that, but is maybe fearful of stepping on the manager's time or of doing it in a way that isn't appropriate? Oh, sure thing. Well, first of all, on the time point, um, I mean, the manager is going to save tons of time in, in terms uh, over with that information shared over 
over weeks and months and years, it sort of say, oh, wow, you know, all those little sort of time wasters, bits of interruption, things that are off track and need to be corrected or adjusted or edited, just sort of disappear as a result of gaining that sort of alignment. So there, there's huge time savings. I think the, the easier said than done piece all kind of boils down to that same weird concept of it's weird just because you've never done it before. And, and maybe it's sort of like, hey, we've been working together for nine months. Why now are we? <laughs> maybe this would have been great to do on the first week. But, you know, here we are. And so I think when it comes to these sorts of potentially awkward conversations, it helps to to separate the issues of am I going to do this and how am I going to do this? There's like two separate issues. Say, am I going to do this? I'm hoping the answer is yes. Like you just sort of commit, like we're going to go in. And then how am I going to do this? You think is like, all right, what is the the verbiage, the word choice, the approach that is is most likely going to to work and, and to resonate. And so, and, and just sort of think about it for a while and you might even script it out, you know, and sort of write down, you know, the words you're going to say or, or, or a couple drafts of the, the email. Uh, you might get some feedback on it. You can email me, Pete at awesomeatyourjob.com. Happy to give you some input uh, on, on that email and then sort of launch it and, and, and away you go. So, but I, I think the general tip would say the more you can frame it around, this will be beneficial to them the better in terms of like, hey, I really want to make sure that with all these requests coming my way all the time, that I've got a crystal clear picture on what's most important to you and the team and, and how we can really, you know, work together uh, optimally, uh, you know, toward that end. So I, I've got a, a, I think it'd be great if we could sync up on a number of, of things you know, to those ends. Uh, if I could find 15 minutes on your calendar house, whatever Thursday afternoon, mm. you, you fill in the blank. So I, I think that. You you may be surprised that the person on the other end is going to say, "Oh, cool! All right, yes, please, let's, yeah. let's do that." Yeah, and I love I love that that last point because I think for me in my my very short career thus far, that has always sort of been the secret to getting to have on seemingly uncomfortable conversations like this or or others is always answering that question first of what's in it for them yeah, and then framing everything from that point of view. Cause at the end of the day, if it's your manager, if it's a client you're trying to sell, if it's it, well, who, whomever it might be, if it's a customer and you're, you're on the customer success team, if you're able to frame what you need in terms of how it benefits them most, they will listen. And, mm -hmm. and that, that, almost is like a cheat code that opens any door into any conversation you might need to have. Uh, so, so keep that in the back of your mind. Pete, thank you so much for being here. Before we jump off, I do. I want to hear two things. One, I want to hear more about the podcast, where we can listen, what, the, what your favorite episode is, and, and where we should start. And two, what would you say if you had to close this off with one piece of advice, one takeaway, one thing that somebody could do right now today to start this process of improving their career and building the career they want, what would you say that is? And keep in mind, the, the you've already given the manager tips, mm -hmm, so I pulled yeah, that out of you yeah. already. Um, but number two, a lot of people listening may also be approaching uh, their career from an entrepreneurial point of view. So something that would bridge both gaps if possible. Oh, sure thing. Yes. Well, I'd say, hey, Lord, the, the podcast is called How to Be Awesome at Your Job. It's all about sharpening skills that that everyone needs to to flourish at work. And so I, in terms of where to start, it's fun. We actually put it such that episode zero is called Start Here. And then I got some of the favorites, including the Mary Abijay episode about how to manage your manager. 
at the very beginning. So episodes A, B, C, D, E, F are, are some of the faves. So that's where I'd recommend starting. In terms of a top tip, I'd say one of those other great episodes at the very beginning was uh, a professor named Carter Cast, who talked about five career derailers. And he said that a lot of folks uh, have a really great handle on their strengths, but not so great a handle on, you know, what is it about you that could hurt you? Or how is it that there's something that maybe is a strength, but you over-rely on it and that can become problematic? And so I think that's that's helpful to think about on, on either side. Hey, if you're an entrepreneur, figure out how you can mitigate that with maybe hiring some contractors or employees or, or other people who have compensating skill sets. And if you are an employee, you know, you might spend some time thinking through how can you adjust the, the roles and tasks that you're taking on or or kind of shore up that that challenge so that you you're not going to derail and your career is going to continue to to flourish and rise over the years. Love that. Pete, thank you so much for being here. The podcast is called How to Be Awesome at Your Job. Uh, You just finished this episode, so do a quick search wherever you're listening for How to Be Awesome at Your Job and start at the first episode, which is conveniently start here. Pete Mikaitis, thank you again for being here. It was an absolute pleasure. Oh, thanks, Greg. Me too. And thank you to those of you listening because you could have spent your time with 700,000 other podcasts and you chose ours. So thank you so much for being here. Thank you for prioritizing yourself, prioritizing your career and prioritizing your own personal development. I've been Greg Clunas. Be sure to click subscribe wherever you are listening. And remember that all big changes come from the tiny leaps you take every day, every day, every day.